This is episode 74 with Rachel Nayland. G'day legends and welcome to Your Life of Impact, where we connect with world-class athletes and coaches, health experts and enthusiasts, inspiring entrepreneurs and community leaders, all to teach you how to tap into your inner excellence. I'm your host, Brett Robbo, and I'm extremely grateful you're joining us today on your impactful journey. Rachel Nalen is a professional road cyclist who competed for Australia at the Rio 2016 Olympic Games. She's also a world championship silver medalist and is currently competing for the movie star team of Spain. Rach was also a physiotherapist for the Australian rowing team and is a podcast and audiobook addict like me. I've known Rach for a couple of years now and I've always been intrigued and inspired by her grit as an athlete, but also her determination to look for the one percenters beyond the traditional means of what's available in high-performance sporting structures. I also have an immense amount of thanks and gratitude to Rach for connecting me with Osha Ginsberg. Rach knew Osha and made that connection for us, which I'm stoked about. In this episode, we discuss the emotional perspective of wearing the green and gold, how some of the toughest times in Rachel's life have made her more resilient, the power of tapping into your spiritual health, where female cycling is in its growth phase, and the legacy that Rach is building for younger females in the health space, not just athletes, but all females. And we speak about much more around health, resilience, and human behavior, of course. The chat is very open and it'll be great to get Rach back on for a part two in the future as we see more of her career and her visions unfold. Rach was in Spain for this chat and I'm pretty freaking happy with the sound quality considering that because, well, there's a couple of small glitches that the Spanish Wi-Fi couldn't quite prevent, but considering we're chatting between the Gold Coast and Spain, I still think it's pretty magical. (laughs) Before we hear from Rach... I want to read another quick feedback message I've had from a former participant in the Mental Strength Training online program. John is a small business owner and I've stayed connected to John and he reached out to me about a month after finishing and said, I've become laser focused since finishing the program. My morning and evening rituals are still in check and I've hacked my productivity massively by using the flowchart. I've gone from 60% to 87%. I used to work 7 a.m. till 6 p.m. Now it's 9 till 5 and I get more done in 8 hours than I did in 11. John then went on to talk about his new meditation routines and how well they're serving him too. Thanks again, John, for sharing those results. That makes a massive difference. John also has a family And this means he gets to spend more quality time with them. And that makes Marie and I so proud to see and hear this genuine, authentic feedback. There's such a variety of ways that our guests are implementing the strategies and reaping 
the benefits. So if you're keen to increase your productivity and create more time in your day like John has, jump onto yourlifeofimpact.com forward slash coaching where you can find out all the info there and also read other testimonials from previous program participants who share how they've benefited from their commitment. Yourlifeofimpact.com forward slash coaching. And you lovely listeners who every day I am extremely grateful for, can I please ask for your help? I love doing this podcast and I love hearing from you via emails and private messages on social media and getting the tags on Instagram stories. Please keep that coming. But I'd be super grateful for two minutes of your time to give a rating and review on iTunes, please. The reason this is important to me is because it helps us rate higher on the algorithms of iTunes. Why is that important? Because it helps more people discover the podcast and it also gives some credibility and proof that people are actually listening to and enjoying the show. So when I reach out to the awesome guests that you love listening to, they'll have a look and see, Oh yeah, hundreds or thousands of people really enjoy Robbo's podcast. Maybe it is worth my time investing into this community because you've got to understand that many of the amazing guests are amazingly busy and I respect that they have to weigh up what offers they say yes to and which ones they say no to. So you playing your small part of giving the rating and review can actually play a big cumulative part in getting more legends onto the show. So if you could take that two minutes and make that rating and review like 57 other people have, only if you genuinely mean it, of course, that would mean a lot to me and the longevity and quality of the podcast. You're also helping me on a personal level to impact the lives of hundreds of thousands of people. And I mean true impact. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Now let's hear from Olympian and congruent soul, Rachel Nayland. So, Rach, from an emotional perspective, what does it mean to you to wear the green and gold and represent Australia? Oh, wow. <laughs> I get goosebumps when you even just say that. I I mean, the green and gold is, is why I ride. It's why I'm an athlete. You know, I grew up with posters of Olympians and world champions and green and gold athletes on my wall instead of rock stars, you know, as a kid. So that's my inspiration and, and that's been my, my drive, you know, that my whole entire athletic career or even before I was a professional athlete. You know, the pride of representing your nation and, and pushing yourself to your limits every single day so that you can wear that jersey is something is something really special. And every single time I put on that jersey, you know, I've done four world championships now in the Australian women's road cycling team and Every one of those has been extremely, extremely special and, you know, really proud moments. And I can't describe the feeling of, of riding on the world stage, competing on the world stage for your country and even more standing, you know, standing on a world championship podium in the green and gold with a medal around your neck. It's, it's a truly indescribable sensation. It's obviously enough to continue that flame and that drive and because you're an Olympian and you're, as you just mentioned, you've stood on the podium at a world championships, you've won a silver medal and from the outside, people see the physical discipline of your training and competition but we never get to feel what you're feeling as an athlete and 
you know, in those environments, there's a lot of external distractions at major events when you get to put on the green and gold. You know, massive distractions, actually. People wouldn't understand the distractions like at the Olympics, but it takes a lot of discipline to go back inside yourself and maintain the internal systems and processes that have got you to that point in the first place. What are some of the habits you've developed and the skills you use in your everyday environment that make you you? And I'm talking about the focused, resilient, congruent Rachel Nalen. Oh, big question. (laughs) You know, consistency is really key. Your daily habit will make you who you are. And, you know, I've got eight years experience now as as an elite athlete and I still don't know it all. You know, I'm still learning. I'm still refining every day. I want to wake up the next day and be better than the day before. You know, I have this ultimate quest for optimal performance physically, mentally and, and spiritually to be the best athlete I can be. But not only the best athlete, but the best person I can be as well. You know, I don't see it as a separate journey. But specifically, getting back to your question, I think it's a matter of really, truly knowing how you optimally operate on a day-to-day basis. And when you're pushing yourself physically to your limits every day, you need to give your body and your mind periods during the day where you come down from that super, that super high, that super fast pace, the adrenaline, all of those fast acting hormones that, you know, really push you to your limit and let all of the parasympathetic system kick in. And whether that be, you know, an hour on the couch after training or or some meditation or, you know, a walk amongst the, you know, at sunset or just some time during the day in the afternoon or in the early evening to, to reconnect, to reground and just, you know, to reflect and just check in and just make sure that I'm on the right track and just being conscious and aware of, you know, who I am and what I've done and where I'm heading. Not to be, you know, over analytical, but I think it's really important to to check in with that deeper part of yourself every single day. Because if you don't, you get on a bit of a rat wheel and you can you can get caught up in just chasing, 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 you know, chasing and and you're just operating on this physical and mental level where you end up being exhausted and I know from experience you know in the early days when I was just starting out in cycling you know I was a bull at a gate like I I just I was non-stop and I didn't know how to switch off I didn't know how to rest I didn't know how to recover properly physically mentally and emotionally so I think that's something that has been pivotal to me evolving and maturing as an athlete is that the mental downtime and the ability to emotionally refresh. And how have you learnt that mental downtime? Is it something that's come from coaching aspects? Is it something that you've sort of developed yourself and like you said, you've learned it from experience? Yeah, it's been a combination of, you know, input from sports psychologists, input, you know, from books that I've read, podcasts, audiobooks, which is my <laughs> which is my addiction at the moment, my audible account is <laughs> in frequent use. Yeah, just I've been on my own pathway, my own journey. I mean, I haven't done any formal meditation training, but you know, I think that operating on a on a daily basis as being as conscious and aware and as present as possible is the best way to be as a human being. And I have no doubt that I know now after trying to adopt that approach and trying to welcome and embrace that approach more in my life that I'm a better athlete and I'm and I'm a better person. Brilliant. But my father was, you know, 
I say, you know, like I'm lucky I had, I have amazing parents who really challenged me in that space as well. My father was, he was an, an incredible guy and he was my, one of my best mates, you know, spiritual teacher, mentor, but you know, he never told me, you know, that I was great or I was talented or I was special or anything like that. He was just gently nurturing and challenging my spiritual growth and my pathway. And, you know, I, I don't know how many times he was, you know, really quietly trying to encourage me to meditate more. <laughs> and, you know, I, I wasn't ready for it, you know, in my early 20s and I was on my pathway and I was trying to, I was trying to make things happen. And it's not until the last couple of years where I've really, I've really taken it on board and, and now I'm having the, all these incredible aha moments and, and you know, remembering words that my father had shared with me and, and taught me. So that's that's something really special that's that's with me at the moment. So your father was obviously played a, a big pivotal role and to be influenced in that way is quite special and it's interesting to hear you say that you weren't ready for it. When When do you know if you're ready for it? Is it just a feeling? Do you just accept it and practice it and then feel the results? I think you have to learn from experience. I mean, I've hit rock bottom with injury and with adversity and with, you know, my career hanging by a thread so many times. And now I know from experience that it's the only way you get through that is by quietening down your system. That's the only way. Because if you if you don't have the capacity to check in on a deeper level, there's no way to get through that shit. <laughs> There's no way to get through those hard times and that adversity, you know. And one of, you know, one of my favourite, favourite quotes from Joseph Campbell is that the opportunity to find deeper powers within ourselves only come from those moments when life seems the most challenging. And you've had, speaking of your dad and your best mate and your role model and challenges and adversities, unfortunately, they've all been linked in for you to have some of those learning experiences. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, the biggest challenge of my athletic career hasn't been <laughs> hasn't been on the bike. I mean, it's been it's been off the bike, and unfortunately, I lost my dad 11 months before I lined up at Rio, and that was the you know the 12 months beforehand. You know, the pre-Olympic year is pretty important, and you know, I I had to spend a lot of time in Europe racing and and getting myself onto the Olympic team. So it was a pretty extraordinary emotional journey that one and it was a it was a team effort and my dad was by my side I was by his side and and you know we did it together but yeah it's the hardest thing I've I've ever had to deal with in my life and three weeks after the funeral I I was racing the world championships in in Richmond in the green and gold and and then uh and then onwards at at Rio 12 months later so yeah I mean it's it's difficult to put that one into words but I'm a stronger athlete for it and I have the capacity to see his gifts and and the way that he nurtured me growing up I have an enormous amount of clarity about that now and and his lessons haven't stopped so (laughs) that's one thing to be grateful for it sounds that way when you say how much of an influence he had and even those little nudges to to meditate a little bit more even when you weren't ready for it and I know that that's a part of your life now so I can imagine that your dad is with you every day yeah it's so funny you know just the amount of these little aha moments and signs and signals where I hear a quote or an, you know, someone speak on a podcast or an audio book and it, it honestly sounds like it's coming out of my dad's mouth and I just go, oh, I just laugh at myself and, well, laugh at the situation and just say, you know, that I'm meant to be hearing that and I'm meant to be open 
to receiving that that moment. And I know that that's that's a gift from him. Beautifully connected. <laughs> <laughs> Rach, this is going to be an epic chat even more as we dive deeper. But before we do, I just want to say welcome to your life of impact. Oh, thank you. I'm so, so happy and grateful to be here. I I know we've just yeah we've connected since the since the day we met and I couldn't be more proud of your journey and I've been following you closely and just super happy for where you are and and the impact that you're giving to so many people. Oh, likewise. And that connection that you speak about was obviously through sport. I was coaching at the New South Wales Institute of Sport and you were training there and I started doing soft tissue therapy treatments with you. I was trying to remember actually today how that started. I think you saw me treating my athletes in the gym a few times and just approached me and we got chatting and is that how we kicked it off? Yep, 100%. <laughs> I'm opportunistic when it comes to, you know, when it comes to things like that. So, yeah, I was looking for a soft tissue therapist in Sydney and and I know that track field athletes are pretty picky with uh, with people who lay their hands on them, so I made a beeline for you. <laughs> and actually, I remember the first time I came to treat you at your apartment and we'd had a brief discussion in passing and that you had a treatment table because you were a physio. So I had in my mind that you had the table at your apartment and I rode my scooter to your place because I lived on a scooter when I was in Sydney to beat the traffic and I arrived at your apartment with no table because yours was actually in storage somewhere else and I'd, I had misunderstood uh, that you had a table and we had a good laugh about it and ended up putting the lounge cushions on a big wooden table on your deck and, and it worked perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a good improvisation. It was actually our, our old dining table that was in our family home, which my dad had built. So yeah, solid, sturdy table and it held many family dinners. So it was quite appropriate, I think. <laughs> as long as your back wasn't too bad afterwards, that's fine. I, I was fine. I think we made it work. It, I've had a lot of – had to be super resourceful with treatment so many times, especially when I was travelling with winter teams in Europe and staying in these places that have tiny rooms, skinny hallways, very little space, as you would know with some of the places that we, we get stuck in in Europe. Um, but you know what I'm talking about, Rach, because I mentioned there before, you were a physio and you've travelled internationally with Australian rowing team, right? Yeah, that was my that was my life before cycling, and I think maybe I don't speak about it enough, or you know, it's uh, it's brushed over a bit because I've been cycling for a while now. But yeah, I I went to university straight out of high school, and then I I went straight into being a being a physiotherapist and straight into working with teams and athletes and numerous different sports. But rowing ended up my niche. And in 2007, I did a locum at the AIS and and then got a contract with Rowing Australia and, and toured in 2007 to Europe with the Australian rowing team. So yeah, it was a it was an amazing opportunity and you know a, a wonderful job. I I love the sport of rowing and you know the opportunity to work with those athletes in the pre-Olympic year was was just was an incredible opportunity and I just learnt so much from from being around them and you know being in that high performance environment. I just soaked it all in. There's something infectious about being at the elite level with elite athletes consistently. Absolutely. Uh, it's funny you say that word infectious. I mean, 2007 touring with the Australian rowing team as a physiotherapist, you know, I was I was wearing the green and gold tracksuit, but by the end of those three months, I knew that I was on the wrong side of the fence. I knew I had this, this growing, grumbling feeling deep inside that was, it was just 
indomitable. I could not distinguish. I could not put this burning desire away. I, I knew that I had something left in my sporting potential that I needed to uncover. And that was the catalyst, just working with these elite athletes and, and these you know, Olympic medalist Drew, Drew Ginn, Duncan Free. I mean, we won a swag full of medals that, that World Championships in 2007. And I realised that the only difference between these Australian world-class athletes and myself was that they had actually discovered what their niche was and they were putting 100% of their life focus into it. And I just simply hadn't found it yet. I, I knew that if I found the right sport and if I put 100% of my life's focus into it, that I could be successful. And... That was obviously a trigger. What process followed that? Yeah, I guess a trigger is an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> I after the the last rowing regatta, I went. I had a couple of days before I flew home, and I went down to Switzerland and I rented a mountain bike and I rode around these lakes and I put the mountain bike down and laid on the grass and looked up at the sky and. I had a moment, it was the biggest epiphany, the biggest ha moment, the biggest moment of clarity I've ever had in my whole entire life. And I made a decision there and then on the grassy banks of a lake in the middle of the Swiss Alps that I was going to change my life. And I came home, I started Googling athletic opportunities, talent transfer, you know, what, what I could do, how I could find my perfect match for my physiology in sport. And I knew that it had to be either triathlon or cycling, or try and persist with middle distance running. But I was fed up of getting injured with, with athletics. Yeah, because you were in, in athletics, weren't you? Yeah, born and bred a runner. I was, that was my first love. I've been running around an athletics track since I was eight years old. And, you know, essentially I was barking up the wrong tree, you know, by the time I hit my early 20s. And, I mean, you know, I won some state medals and raced at nationals and through my teenage years and had some amazing coaches, David Misson and, and he was my first coach and, you know, extraordinarily influential to, you know, to my junior athletic, you know, athletic development. And to this day, I don't think I would be here if it wasn't, if it wasn't for him, you know, nurturing those early, those early athletic days. And my athletics background is, is you know, it's a huge foundation for the athleticism that I have today that I've transferred over to cycling. But yeah, essentially with athletics, you know, I was barking up the wrong tree and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not naturally built to be, you know, a speed and power athlete. And I knew that deep down in, deep down in my heart. I dabbled in rowing after dating a, dating a rower. I, I got convinced to, to, to learn the sport of rowing and then that was a catalyst to further discover my potential in endurance sports. And then that led to me thinking more about cycling. And after a number of discussions with various people, with you know, physiotherapy colleagues and the physiologist for the Australian rowing team, who was also a, a keen cyclist, and my great friend Kenneth Graham at the New South Wales Institute of Sport, head sports scientist there. All of these conversations just started to amalgamate together, and and so I googled Australian women cycling talent identification, and this was the day after I got off the plane from Europe, and the first Google search result came up, and it said South Australian Institute of Sport talent identification program for female athletes aged 18 to 25 who want to try and transfer to cycling, to road cycling. And I, just, I couldn't believe my eyes. That's I applied the power there and of then. manifestation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, I mean, it, it might as well have just been, yeah, it might as well have just been in shining lights. Like I, I couldn't believe my eyes. But the funny thing was I had to convince them that I was really serious because they sort of knew my name as a physio and they said, oh yeah, you can do the physiology testing up at NSWIS and send your results down and 
and uh, we'll see. And I said, okay, no worries. And then two days later, I emailed them back and I said, no, I'm coming down. And so I flew myself down to Adelaide to show them that I was serious and went through the physiology testing there. And then, you know, at the end of a couple of stages of, of testing and an on-bike uphill time trial where I didn't even really know how to ride a bike properly yet, uh, <laughs> you know, I stood at the top of the hill with the head sassy coach, Gary West, and he said, well, we think you might have something we can work with, but this program is for South Australian-based girls. And, you know, it's only a coaching program. We, we don't really have anything else to, to offer. And that was all I needed to hear. And I said, well, give me a small opportunity. I'm ready to take it with both hands. And within five weeks, I'd packed up my apartment in Sydney and moved to Adelaide and scaled back my life and took a part-time job in Adelaide, basically stripped everything back so I could just work part-time and took a room in a share house and did things simply and uh, and started my, my life as an elite cyclist. And yeah, that was a very, very, very beginning, a very small key to the door. <laughs> Do you call those those changes sacrifices or choices choices i i think there's a big difference because you know there's a definitely a negative connotation to sacrifices and you know it's either you know sacrifices sort of mean that you you want to be on the you know the other side of the fence and there are some things that are that are like that but i think if you make a choice you need to embrace it wholeheartedly 100 percent. and you know there there are things that you miss out but I don't like to see them as sacrifices in a in a negative sense in any way. Well, that comes from a lot of clarity too. Absolutely. I think you can't go through a major life change and go after something so boldly like I did in 2007 if you don't truly know yourself. And, you know, the most beautiful thing that I've held close to me ever since the beginning is the famous words by Socrates is know thyself. And there's no greater clarity than that. You know, if you don't truly know who you are and if you haven't truly done the hard work of delving deep into who am I, what do I want, what does success mean to me, what does happiness mean to me, what do I want from this life, then you can't make a big change like that. You can't jump in the deep end because you won't survive. Every little time where it got hard, I mean, it was bloody hard. It it still is hard. (laughs) But knowing yourself, truly deeply and having done the hard work to discover those things is where it's at. So now you're actually based in Europe and you've done that for a lot of years as a cyclist and you talk about knowing yourself and it being bloody hard. What are some of the the challenges that you've had over your career either from a cycling perspective or a personal perspective that allow you to still stay so focused and clear about, yes, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, it is half. I mean, you know, women's sport is, is not is not exactly where men's professional sport is on, on a global scale across across most sports, and especially in women's cycling, unfortunately, at the moment. So there's definitely not the financial rewards that, that men have. You know, that's a, a big part of it. That's a big challenge. But I think constantly being able to see the doors opening is a huge part of what keeps me going and why I'm still racing and why I'm still thriving and loving what I'm doing. It's that constant, I love I love the challenge, you know, and I love when, you know, when your back's up against the wall, to be able to see those doors opening and be able to choose to walk through that door. But if you're not open to it, if you don't really know yourself, if, you don't, if you're not open to seeing those doors opening, it's, 
it's impossible. You can't get yourself out of those tight situations. And there's been numerous times where, you know, I've crashed or broken bones or, you know, my career's been hanging by a thread because I've had a string of injuries and, you know, I haven't had a contract. And like at the end of 2014, I'd had a, a difficult year with injuries and being hit by a car. And then, you know, I had, I put my head down and I had a great summer and I nestled myself in the Southern Highlands and trained my butt off. And I came out and and medaled at nationals and won the Kid 11's Great Ocean Road Race and then got myself a contract with Orica. So I think being able to really focus in those times where your back is up against the wall, that is where, you know, your true champion comes out. I think, you know, it's, I mean, you know, standing on the podium and, and winning races is, is extraordinary, but the small challenges, I mean, the small victories with those challenges is things that come, you know, after you've really, really, then you, when you've really been challenged and you overcome those circumstances, that's that's when it's just true bliss. Speaking of the challenges of cycling as a women's sport, where, where do we see it at the moment? Where you said obviously you're very optimistic and there's always doors opening, the financial reward isn't there, but where where is it at the moment? For a lot of people listening, we wouldn't know what the difference is between male and female cycling and what support isn't there, but you're obviously in the thick of it. Yeah, there is a huge disparity between salaries in, in men and women's cycling and it you know, it, it, it scales it's hundreds of thousands, if not millions of, of euros difference. But it comes from the event level and just and the, the staging. So a lot of our races don't have, you know, global broadcast, they don't have the infrastructure with all the the race stages to be able to leverage that kind of global broadcast. So when it comes to the sponsors investing in the teams, they don't have the same, they're not paying for the same ROI than that they are in the, in the men's cycling. So, you know, it's, it's, it's slowly changing. We are getting a lot more races on the same, same day and the same stage as the men's, but until I think until we get a better broadcasting across all of our races, then, you know, the, the change will still be slow, but like I'm, I'm definitely optimistic, but you know, the financial, Gains, it's it's never why I signed up to be a professional athlete. You know, I'm driven to represent my country in green and gold. I'm, I'm driven to be, to explore my most op- optimal potential. And I love, absolutely love the process day in, day out of just the simple daily challenges of being an athlete. And, you know, if I didn't purely love that process, I wouldn't still be doing what I am today because, you know, the financial rewards and the podiums, are f- they're, they're few and far between. I could probably earn a lot more money doing being a physio back on the other side of the fence and, you know, or doing something in, in the realm of, of, of health at the moment in that booming industry. But I love what I'm doing now and I still have a lot more to give. I still have a lot more to achieve with my with my athletic potential, you know, starting late, not starting cycling till the age of 25. I, I'm still young, you know, in the sports. So it's definitely the love and the passion of of day in, day out, training, suffering, rising to the challenges that keep me going. And I think it translates to anything you do. If you don't truly love the process, you can't just be chasing those elusive results-driven outcomes. Well, and speaking of the change in that sport, you were, were talking off air, but you mentioned about the team that you're cycling for now, Movie Star, which is, is I believe it's the first Spanish women's team, professional women's team. Yeah, it's, a, it's the first time that Movie Star are are one of the oldest and, and most successful cycling teams globally. And it's the first time that they've actually had a women's team. And it's it's probably one of the biggest profile teams who who have taken on board a, a women's team. And you know, it's a it's a huge step forward for for for, 
for movie star for Spain and for global cycling and the way that they've adopted their philosophy of having the women's team it's not just an add-on it's absolutely integrated and everything from the equipment to the bikes to the logistics to the communication to the social media and to the exposure is just it's just been it's been wonderful to watch and and to see the organization take that on and you know the project was born from big guys you know from from the head of Telefonica which is one of the biggest telcos in the world and so that just speaks volumes that a company of that stature of that size wanted to embrace equality in sport and have a women's team so it's something I'm super proud of I'm loving loving the journey and loving being part of this team and helping to you know in the first in the first year to help the team get on its feet and to help nurture and mentor some of the younger Spanish girls it's you know they've just they've all just stepped up remarkably and taken the opportunity with both hands and it's just been it's been beautiful to to watch and and experience and be part of it's nice to hear that that change is happening and then it's beautiful to see you a part of that change rach you and i became well connected from the start just from not from our passion for high performance sport we could talk about high performance sport all day it wasn't just our knowledge of the human body as therapists but it was also because of our addiction to listening to podcasts and audiobooks, and you mentioned that before, and also our belief in holistic health. And I wanted, and you mentioned health before, and I want to dive into holistic health aspect shortly. But just first of all, and briefly, the podcast addiction. Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm curious. I, I was born curious. I was born asking questions. You know, like. I think my mother tells me, <laughs> I think I was about four years old and I was standing underneath the hills hoist out in the backyard with my mum and I said, mum, why am I here? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, oh my goodness, what have I got on my hands? So like I've been a big thinker and I've been quite a curious person from a young age and my thirst for knowledge and insight and, and learning just never stops. So podcasts and, and audiobooks have just changed my life and opened up my my world and I've got my own little mini university happening on my smartphone with with all the books and podcasts that I listen to and download so you know it's a, it's a wonderful experience to be able to have that all at your fingertips and and be able to to be able to be challenged with my thought processes and how I live my life and you know everything from practical stuff just to you know to factual stuff and you know learning about other people's experiences and 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 journeys is um is just a really, really, really cool thing. You obviously have a bit of time on some of your longer, slower rides to to listen to some podcasts and some audio books. So it's such a beautiful way to tick both boxes. Uh, well, actually, I I never put earphones in my ear when I'm riding. Um, I'm <laughs> is that just massive. a silly me I'm, that does that? <laughs> no, I'm really big on safety. Like I, I never put headphones in when I'm riding, especially in Australia. It's just not, it's just not safe enough and... You know, I'm an ambassador for the Amy Gillett Foundation, and yeah, I think that's the number one road behaviour that that needs to stop from from a lot of from many people. Is is just you, you need to have eyes in the back of your head. You need to have both ears open, and and yeah, it's just not it's just not safe. So I I do listen to podcasts and and my audiobooks at all other times of the day when I'm you know any time from when I'm doing my folding my washing or if I'm you know making my salad at lunchtime or if I'm going for a walk you know it's all those times or if I'm doing my stretching and you know foam rolling or whatever then then I've got a podcast on absolutely that's enough for me Rach to say all right that's a wake-up call and take those earplugs uh, those headphones out when you're riding Brett (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Sorry, you've been told. <laughs> Don't apologize. That's how you get the message across, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think with some things, I'm pretty direct and it's something I'm pretty passionate about. So I think, you know, I'm a big believer that if we want motorists and cars to respect us, we need to be equally doing the right thing on our side of the fence. No, well said. Well said. So everyone listening out there, if you're as silly as me and you've had your earphones, yeah, headphones in while you're cycling, might be time to change our habits. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about holistic health because it kind of saddens me sometimes how linear and narrow-minded sports nutrition can be. And, you know, it's mostly about energy needs in the moment. Energy in equals energy out. Right amounts of protein for muscle development, timing of glucose, caffeine, all those kind of things for performance uh, and recovery, which is all vitally important, of course, for performance. But what about when we look at aging gracefully and long-term health? And what about the now of gut health as well, the microbiome, the fact that we know how much mental illness, mental fogginess, food intolerances, emotional instability, and so many other things are related to the gut-brain connection. And on top of this, the reason you know, you reached out to me for treatment in the first place is because you're always looking for the one percenters in all areas of your life and performance to allow you to be the most resilient human like you've touched on and not just not just athlete, but human. And so I wanted to discuss with you, Rach, that, you know, we've had these discussions before on the table and in general, but what does health mean to you and what's important that other people and particularly young women who'd be admiring you as a powerful role model and a professional athlete, what do you believe is important that they're exposed to about health? That's an awesome question. You know, I was a, I was a health professional before I was a cyclist and, you know, I'm extremely grateful to know, have the knowledge that I, that I have after doing a a Bachelor of Health Science in, in Physiotherapy. You know, we covered all aspects of, of the human body. So I've got enormous respect for the human body as a as an incredible machine that it is and a huge amount of respect for it as well. So although I'm an athlete, I can also see health from a, a bigger, broader perspective from working as a physio with, with normal population. And I think the biggest thing is that People don't see health enough as a sphere of interconnected dimensions or interconnected facets. And it is a combination of, of physical, mental and and emotional or, or spiritual health. And then, you know, you, there's environmental and social on, on you know, on the, on the outskirts as well, but primarily mental, physical and emotional. And if those three things are not all addressed and all aligned and all connected, you know, there's always going to be one thing missing. And I really believe that nutrition and exercise and sleep has a huge impact on mental health. So if you need to address mental health, you can't do it without exercise and, and nutrition. And then the same goes, you know, for for physical health. You can't do that without being present and aligned and, and having the spiritual and an emotional side of yourself in line and connected with the physical self and in the same for the you know same for the for the mental so all of those three spheres have to be somewhat connected and aligned and and 
I know it's tough when people are just getting started on the road back to back to full health, but you can't treat it in isolation. I just, I'm a huge, big, passionate believer in that. And But look, you know, when it comes to addressing physical health, for me, there are three main elements. And this is my take home. Nutrition, sleep and exercise. If you can do one thing a day to improve your sleep, to improve your nutrition and to improve your exercise capability or your exercise habit, then then you're winning. And just even being conscious of those three things and checking off those three things every single day, I think that you're going to be on a, a better road to, to physical health. You know, if you're trying to take shortcuts and get fit without eating well or, or try and get fit without sleeping well, then, then you really, you're missing a vital link. There is so much research of how, like you say, how gut health is linked to our physical capabilities and how nutrition is so clearly linked to to how we operate optimally as physical, you know, how our physical bodies operate and same with sleep. So there are really no arguments anymore. It's been proven and and I think um, it's just, it's the ability to recognise the interconnectedness of, of those three things and nutrition, sleep, exercise um, have to be, have to be done, you know, in, in unison. And do you feel like that's a part that is missing for, like we speak about the, the younger generations and you're speaking about the shift in female sport and moving forward, is that an important link from your perspective that needs to be approached from a younger age? Yeah, unfortunately, as a female athlete, I, you know, a huge part of my what I want my legacy to be and where my vision lies in the future is to is to help nurture this generation of young females, of, of young teenagers, because I feel like they're getting lost in a sea of confusion. There is just so much out there when it comes to Facebook and Instagram and just trawling through the web and, you know, all different media outlets. And I don't know where where they're getting the, the right health resources from. And that really scares me. It really worries me. You know, the, the amount that young teenagers and young females rely on Instagram for their health advice. <laughs> you know, it's pretty scary. So I think that is a big space that needs to be filled and a big demographic that needs to be nurtured and taken care of. And something as female athletes do a lot to, you know, using social media in a positive way and to help influence the lives and the thoughts and the young minds of these of these teenage girls and help to help them to discover their real selves and not to be preoccupied with, you know, how they look and, you know, what they're going to do in the future. And, I mean, there's just an extraordinary, unnecessary amount of anxiety and and stress in this population when it comes to social media and the people that they're looking up to and the role models that that they're aspiring to be toward, that they're aspiring to be like. I think there's a lot more room for female athletes to share their stories and to share their insights and how teenage girls can live happier, more fulfilled lives by being more physically active, by making the right nutritional choices by sleeping better and by living as young people should, you know, with that conscious freedom and without, you know, stress and and anxiety of how they look and how society makes them feel they should act and look like. There's definitely a lot of societal pressures. So to have role models like you is is a powerful uh, process to to personal and self-development in that way because not only do you 
role model the way in terms of the, the exercise and the sleep and the, the nutrition to be an athlete. It's more that holistic look and it goes back to that know thyself, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's, it's sharing that message with, with these young girls that you don't, at the age of 17, 16, 17, you know, I thought I knew what my life was, you know, I thought I had it all laid out perfectly. And I would not have dreamed, you know, this life in, in my wildest dreams. I thought from a young kid I wanted to be an Olympian, but I never thought it was possible. And if I can just inspire and empower and activate that same feeling in another young girl's life, then that's just the ultimate satisfaction for me. Having these young girls know that it is possible. That's legacy right there. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. It's obviously it's you know it's something I'm super passionate about and you know another quote I come back to from Joseph Campbell, you know, like he said before, just the privilege of a lifetime is being exuar. And I, I can't say it any better than that. That's my message to these young girls. The privilege of a lifetime is being who you are. Exactly who you are. Yeah. Powerful message. I love that quote so much. <laughs> Yeah. There's so much we can all learn from Joseph Campbell. I love the the hero's journey and everything associated with it. Yeah, he's a bit of a legend. <laughs> now, Rach, like I said before, we could talk all day. We're definitely going to be doing a second part of this. We'll catch up with you somewhere else in the world another time, a, a bit further along your journey. But before we wrap things up, uh, one of my top core values is giving and I give all my guests a gift for giving their time and value and I know you know this because you're a listener of this podcast and what I'm giving to you is aligned with your, as you were just talking about, with your legacy and inspiring those young females. So what I'm what I'm thinking is I wanted to create kind of a bit of a giveaway, maybe a, a social media engagement. Like you said, there's the positive aspects of social media and encouraging the girls to engage around health or something like that however we decide to run it but I wanted to create a bit of a prize for it anyway and so I'm going to give you some of the the life teas that we've got the charity teas because I feel like that charity component uh, from athletes who have created them so it'll sort of connect to the young girls as you said before about that spiritual connection and uh, the importance of that and I'm also going to throw in floss bands because as you know they're a great treatment tool for athletes and I'm also going to give you a and don't worry I'm going to help you with the postage of all this because you're in Europe and I'm in Australia so (laughs) I plan on doing all the logistics for you but I'm also giving a free pass into our mental strength training online program for you to give to in whichever way you want to give it to uh, one of the young female followers uh, to help you in and create that inspiration so we might make up a few different prizes uh, that can be we can be creative with how you want to engage your community and and allow them to to win those gifts but that's my gift to you for giving your time and value to us today oh thank you so much well we should do it via Instagram. I'm Rach Nayland, so maybe we can do do it through an Instagram story or something like that. But anyway, keep a lookout and we'll we'll collaborate. And um, thank you so much. It's it's uh, uh, those are beautiful gifts. Absolutely, least I could do. Now, this is one question that I ask all my guests: What's your advice on what specific action our listeners can take today to become more impactful in their lives and in their communities? 
Uh, I think I, I can't go past the notion of knowing yourself, know thyself truly deeply and then every single action of every single day stems from that. Powerful, simple, effective, powerful. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes simple is the best. (laughs) Well, that's right. If, If we stick by that simple process and that's that whole thing around changing habits and changing mindsets, if we make it simple, if we know what's effective and make it simple, we're more likely to make that change. Yeah. It's easy to get lost out there, you know. There's just this we are constantly overstimulated by information and, and input. And, and then, you know, I think the risk is that you just drop the ball because it's too hard because there's too much stimulus input to cope with. So sometimes keeping it simple is, is the best thing. I don't know. I'm still learning though. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're always still, I'm still learning. On a journey. You're always learning. If you're not, there's something wrong. <laughs> learning, growing, developing. It never stops. Absolutely. And that's why your podcast is so amazing. Well, that's what I hope for and that's why I get people like you on here to share to share your journey and help us all keep learning, growing and developing. I've really enjoyed the chat. Thank you so much. Now, you don't escape that fast because we're going to do the fast five questions. They're back in action. I didn't tell you that before we started but I'll throw them at you shortly. But <laughs> Before we do, you mentioned your Instagram there. So, is that the best place for listeners to learn about you and also let us know how can I and the listeners help you on your journey? Yeah, just I love I love connecting through social media, Instagram and Twitter at Rach Nalen, also Facebook page, Rach Nalen, Rachel Nalen Official, and personal website, rachelnalen.com. So you can follow my follow my journey through those social media accounts and yeah, we'd love to connect. Is there anything else you'd like to say to the listeners or anything you'd like to ask me? What is the most impactful thing you have learnt this year? What is the most impactful thing I have learnt this year? Yeah. It's funny actually, it would relate back to you and I were chatting off air before we started and it's understanding. So the most impactful thing I've learnt this year is that regardless of what we experience in our external environment, what we see and hear, it can mean such vastly different things to every single individual everyone's perception is so different and what I'm getting at there is I've got goosebumps now just unpacking this but the feedback I get from from listeners of the podcast of some of them that have been really deep and shared how listening to the guests like yourselves and just parts of people's stories help pull them through some really deep struggling tough times and you know I've been addicted to listening to podcasts for years hence why I did one but just to understand it's been honestly this year the amount of outreach that I've had around that it's made me really realize the impactful power of storytelling at an even deeper level. Mm, That's amazing that's why I'm so proud of your journey and uh, you know your boldness to be able to to um take a leap of faith and and start this podcast like that's beautiful to hear and I think you are making impact bigger and greater and broader than you can imagine because there are only a few of those people who actually outreach and and say thank you but there's probably a hell of a lot more that you don't realize so 
keep up the great work. And it's guests like you that make that happen. Actually, I just had a thought. I told you about my idea and my starting of this, uh, just building out the podcast well before many other people. You were one of the very first people that knew that I was actually going to start to build one out. Yep, yep. So hence why I've been invested in following from the early stages. And I love, I love connecting with people who have a vision and who have big plans and have a greater purpose and and know why they're doing things. And especially when the outcome is to impact lives, lives of other people, I think it's a true gift and it's a wonderful thing. And, And podcasts are really changing people's lives right now. Absolutely. And we're going to change your life right now with the fast five questions. Don't give yourself too much time to think about these. Just just right. let it come naturally. <laughs> Speak from the heart. Let it roll off the tongue. Okay. What's one habit you wish you could change? I drink too much coffee. Oh, I've got to be with you there. What makes you feel <laughs> absolutely pumped and exhilarated and energized? Uh, coming home after a a great session on my bike. Have you ever washed a dog? Yes. <laughs> Very good. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Go gently. Uh-huh. What are you most grateful for in your life right now? My parents. Rach, you're a legend. You're a resilient, <laughs> tenacious, powerful role model. Keep shining your congruent light to the world. Oh, I'm just a girl with a dream. That's all. <laughs> But I'm delighted to share it with everyone. And uh, thank you for the opportunity, Brett. It's an honor. There you go, guys. What a strong, determined lady. Make sure you follow Rach online and support her audacious goals and epic journey. Especially on Instagram and Facebook, if you love a good, scenic following. Some of the towns, cities, and countries she trains and competes in are magical. So you'll find her on Facebook as Rachel Nalen and on Instagram at Rach Nalen. If you like this episode and know someone else who will benefit from it, please share it around. And now you've got that spare two minutes, I'm stoked to receive your iTunes rating and review. And as always, remember, this is your life journey, your life of impact.